good to be together today, real life. You can grab your seat today. Man, I appreciate the team leading us today in worship and just love that we get to spend these uh, few minutes together today because I know that God has a reason for each of you to be here. He loves to make himself known in your life, wherever you've been, whatever's been happening in your world. God has a way of breaking through all of that so you know and experience his love, his grace, uh, who he is in a real and a powerful way today. And um, that's really my hope. My, my name is Richie. I'm our lead pastor here. And uh, I get just so thankful for these moments because I know God has you here for a reason and wants to make himself known in your life. And uh, I'm excited about where we're going today. We're, we're going to begin a new series of conversations over the next uh, four weeks here through the month of November where we're going to be trying to unpack and understand uh, how do we become a people of God's presence. I, th I think as I look at what's going on around here, I'm so, so thankful and so excited. Uh, we have so many cool, amazing opportunities to meet the needs of our city, uh, to bless people, uh, to walk with people. I'm thinking about our, our Thanksgiving effort. We're teaming up with One Heart, and uh, we're going to be able to serve Thanksgiving meals to over, uh, I think it's right at 500 kids are going to get Thanksgiving uh, this year because of you and because of what God's going to do through us. Like, that is so cool. Or I think about the, the shelter offering that we have coming up. We're going to give a one-time gift over and above uh, all of our normal giving so that we can uh, begin some new things. We're going to start a food room. We're going to expand our benevolence uh, ministry, meeting the needs of people tangibly. We're going to uh, support our recovery ministry much stronger. We're going to uh, take some huge steps forward through this offering. And all of this is such an amazing opportunity to be Jesus Church and to become the kind of people that God can use powerfully in a city. Uh, but here's where I come to this conversation today is I, I am so excited that all of that is going on. And I remember one of my, my first senior pastor that I worked for, uh, he would always have this saying, he's like, Richie, be careful that you don't have the form without the force. I'm like, what do you mean? Like the form without the force. And it was this kind of warning of like, hey, don't have all the activity on the exterior, but lack the power of God on the inside of your life and on the inside of this church. Don't, don't be consumed with religious activity and structures and programs of all these great things and lack the force of the spirit of God inside you. And this is a conversation over the next several weeks to be like, hey, we want to be a people of God's presence, that, that we wouldn't just have structures of religion, but we would have the power of God. God in our lives and in our midst when we gather as a church. Every youth gathering, every kids service, every recovery meeting, women's event, every one of these things would be covered and consumed by the power and the presence of our God. Because we believe with all our hearts that one moment in the presence of God can change a person forever. No amount of strategy, no amount of good preaching or right worship or whatever kind of tactics we have can, can do better than what God can do in an instant in his presence. And so we want to be a people of his presence. And so I'm believing that God's going to stir a hunger in us today and really through these next several weeks of going, okay, how do we become a people of your presence, God? How do we uh, be a church that is passionate about your presence where you move here, God, in powerful ways and life-changing ways where I go to school or I go to work or I'm sitting at my kitchen table early in the morning, God, and your presence is there 
personally and powerfully in my own life? And how do we be these kind of people that know and experience and steward the power and the presence of God in real and tangible ways in our life? And so today I want to help us understand the presence of God. If you've got a Bible, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 2? Two. Ephesians 2. Uh, it's a book in the New Testament. You can Google it. If you've got a Bible app on your phone, you can look at it. We'll have stuff on the screen as well. We'll get there in a minute, but I want to kind of lay the groundwork before we get to Ephesians 2 for you. Because a hunger and a passion for God's presence for me started years and years ago. I remember being 18, 19. I was an intern in a youth ministry. God had just called me to pastor, and uh, I was enrolled in Bible school and learning all the theology, but I was also very passionate about learning practically, like how does ministry happen, and what does it look like to be your church, Jesus? And as a youth ministry, we would do these summer camps all the time. Every summer, we would invite students, and, and uh, we would put on these services in the evenings, all kinds of games and fun all day long. And then these services would be these powerful moments where God would work in young people's lives. And we would worship just like this, but for much longer, we would have preachers that were, uh, you know, just awesome. And then we would, uh, at the end, have these prayer times. And we would open this front section up here. It's called, uh, we called it the altar. Anybody heard of that before? It's like, this is where you meet with God. And, and so students would come forward, and we'd be praying with them. And I remember one particular young man came forward for prayer. And he couldn't really express what was going on. And me and my buddy were there uh, praying for people as they came forward. And uh, I remember being kind of terrified because as he tried to talk about what was going on in his life, there was this sense of just like darkness kind of around him. It was almost like evil. And, and I remember looking at my friend and we're like, we don't know what to do here. There's no pastor that we can call on and be like, hey, help. You know, like there was just like us and this kid and we're like, okay, well, we need to pray. And we knew enough to know, like, there is no other name in heaven on earth that's more powerful than the name of Jesus. And so we're just going to pray over this kid in the name of Jesus and, and believe that God's going to do something miraculous in his life, break through this darkness, this evil, whatever is going on. And so we begin to pray. And it was praying and praying and praying, and minutes and, and minutes and minutes went by. And, and it just felt like this thing just kind of kept hovering there. And then we were like, you know what? You need to call on the name of Jesus. Like, we're calling on the name of Jesus on your behalf. Like, you need to cry out to Jesus. And he couldn't say the name Jesus. And we're like, oh, man, something dark is happening here. And, and I remember just being like, okay, God, somehow you got to break through all of this. And there was this moment that was so powerful because this young man, just at the top of his lungs, finally screamed out in desperation like a, like a help me type scream, Jesus. And at the moment that he claimed Jesus' name and spoke Jesus' name, screamed Jesus' name, man, it was like all that darkness just evaporated and God's presence came in such a powerful way. It was like peace like we had never known. There was a sense of joy, like everybody's just crying. And it was like, not sad tears, it was like God is here. And there was healing and you could feel the freedom. And it was like tangible, right? God is here. And that began for me this hunger, like, oh, I, I'm going to be in ministry. I, you know, I want to I I encounter God in real ways. I don't just want to have a form of religion in my life or in my leadership that lacks the power of God. I want to know God and know him real. And I want people to experience that kind of freedom, that kind of peace, that kind of joy in the presence of God. And it started this hunger in me. And I think that that hunger is what God wants to stir in us today as a church. How do we be a people of his presence? Not content with a form of religion that lacks the power of God. 
I want you to look at me with kind of a, a couple of things. I just will break this down for you. When we start talking about God's presence, you got to know kind of two distinct terms. There's God's omnipresence, and then there's God's manifest presence. Because a lot of times when we start to talk about God's presence, there's maybe a little bit of a disconnect in understanding. I think it's so important. God's omnipresence is this, that God is everywhere. He is everywhere all the time. God is not missing anything. He is not hidden from something. He is not lacking anything. He is everywhere all the time. This is his omnipresence. In Genesis chapter one, very first scripture in your Bible, if you were to open it up to the beginning, says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. This is before this world was created. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. At the very beginning, before this world even existed, God's presence was there. This is his omnipresence. David, the psalmist in Psalm 139 writes this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. This is God's omnipresence. There is nowhere that you can hide from the presence of God. There is nowhere that you can go that God is not there. And at the same time, as God's omnipresence is a truth that we need to understand and, and, and really hold to as a people, there is this manifest presence of God where he shows up in a special way in an intimate way, in a powerful way, where people are, are understanding that God is here. I can feel him. I can hear him. I can know uh, that God's presence is here right now. And I really believe this with all my heart, that God moves in this manifest way in places where he's wanted. God is everywhere all the time. He's not lacking anything. But then there is places where his people go, God, we need you here. We need your power, we need your presence, we need your grace, we need you here in a real and a tangible way. And God loves to move in those places. I was thinking about just the beginning again, and, and there was not only his creative power there in Genesis 1, but you go forward just a little bit into Genesis 2 and 3, and God is actually walking with man and woman in the garden. God is there in a manifest way where he's actually walking in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve. But, but something had happened. Sin had entered the story. They disobeyed God. And, and sin began to disrupt God's design, that man would walk in communion with God and experience his presence in real ways. This began to deteriorate because shame entered mankind. So sin leads to shame, guilt, and condemnation. And look at what they did in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Even though God was walking in the garden to be with them, they now began to hide. And this is our story, isn't it? Sin enters our life, and we find shame and condemnation, and we find ourselves hiding from God, uh, maybe playing games with God or pretending with God. And it's difficult for us to connect with God or commune with God in a real and a powerful way. So God set up a system. I'll just give you a brief uh, overview of the entire Bible. Is that okay? 
Okay. Uh, he set up a system. It was, it was called a sacrificial system. It was built off covenants, commandments. The Ten Commandments came. And, and then they began to build temple, tabernacles and temple, where God would actually dwell. His presence, his manifest presence would be there. Solomon is the one that built this first temple in First Kings chapter 8. He's praying over it. And he says, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. He's acknowledging the omnipresence of God, but he's also asking for God to be here in a real and a powerful way. Second Chronicles 5, you see God fill that temple. Listen to this, verse 13. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. I love this picture. Why do we worship as a church? You get this picture here that worship is always this ushering in of God's presence in a real and a powerful way. And I love that they played in unison, right? That's why excellence in this whole thing is important, right? That people would not be distracted, but be drawn into the presence of God. They gave praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. The singers raised their voices and praised the Lord and sang, he is good. Sound familiar? We were just singing this for like 20 minutes. He is good and his love endures forever. Listen, then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not even perform their service because of the cloud. This is God's glory, God's presence in a real manifest way for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. People then begin to experience God in the temple, they would bring sacrifices and make offerings, and then God would meet them there and forgive their sins, and priests were there on behalf of the people that would go into the presence of God. But even that was not enough for God because the system was built off of always coming back for forgiveness and repentance, and God wanted to make a way that was final. And so he sent his son. And Jesus Christ comes as the perfect sacrifice, no longer all these systems of sacrifice, but now one who was willing to die once and for all. Jesus became this picture of this one sacrifice for all mankind, that his perfection would actually become our perfection, that our unrighteousness and our sin would be paid for by the love and the blood of Jesus Christ, and that we would have the opportunity now to be in communion with God, the way we were designed to be, walking in his presence, understanding, knowing his presence in real and powerful ways. And then what was so cool is Jesus is walking the earth. You can imagine God's presence is there because he is God, and people that experience him and encounter him in different moments and things, but, but he was kind of localized. And so then he's going, you know what? I got to go away. It's actually better for me that I go away because when I go, I'm going to send you a gift, my spirit. And my spirit is going to be your advocate, your comforter. He's going to lead you into all truth. And, and, and so he says, I want you to go and wait in this room and, and there you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. I want you to hear that description. There was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Anytime in the Old Testament where God's spirit was moving, it was known as the breath of God. The ruach was the Hebrew term that, that, that showed people like God is here. These apostles would have known 
God is here. There's a sound like this violent wind that came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. God's presence was now no longer around them, but in them. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The culmination of the story. We started at creation. God walking with his his creation in the cool of the garden. Look at Revelation 21. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. See, this is a a picture just across the whole of scripture going, God desires us to walk in his presence, to know his presence, to commune with him in a powerful and intimate way. The restoration of all creation in Revelation 21 is pictured with God dwelling with his people in a powerful way. I paint this picture so that you and I might have a stirring in our hearts to go, whoa, what a miracle that God would send us his spirit so that his spirit would be here now in us, filling us, that our lives would, would, we would recognize that the temple moved from a building a couple thousand years ago in a certain city in a different part of the world to now the temple of God is actually making its home in the heart of every person who repents and follows Jesus. Like, this is a miracle that God's presence can be here in your life in a powerful and tangible way, that God can go with you to work, to school, to every place you go, and his grace and his power and his love can be there in real and tangible ways. When you walk into these doors, that when God's people come together like this, that there can be an actual sense God is here. Not just an acknowledgement that, oh yeah, God's everywhere, but no, I know God is here. There could be people that don't even know who Jesus is and how much he loves them, that they walk through these doors and they know that something special is happening, that God's grace, his goodness, his love, his power is here in a real way. That's really the hunger that I, I believe God wants to stir in our hearts. Let's become a people of his presence. Let's not dismiss him as like, oh, well, God's everywhere. Let's, let's long for and pray for and believe for that God wants to be in your life in a real and a powerful way. Let's walk into Sundays like this going, God, would you fill this room, fill every kid's classroom, fill every moment that, that, that real life has a thing. God, would you fill it with your presence in a powerful way? Every connect group, every, every small group, at every coffee shop, God, would you be there in a powerful, life-changing way? Amen. This is the hunger that I believe God wants to stir in our hearts. And so that's where we come to Ephesians 2. I told you like 25 minutes ago to turn there. Because Paul paints a picture here. And I think it's it's instructive for us to go, how do we become a people of his presence? How do I how do I have that longing inside me? And how do I how do I pray this way and think this way and, and, and long for this inside me? Look at verse 13. 
He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. This is the gospel. You were separated from God's presence, but God sent his son to die for you so that you could know and experience and walk with him in his presence. It was his blood that was shed to cover our sin. For he himself is our peace. I love that. Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Paul is speaking to a church in Ephesus that was not the in crowd. And here's what I mean. God had his people. It was the Jewish people. And then God began to move his, his kingdom beyond one select group of people to everybody who wasn't Jewish. These were known as Gentiles. Like many of us in the room who are non-Jewish people, we are Gentiles. We're not in that crowd. And they had kind of separated themselves and been like, well, they're in and they're out and they're good and they're not. And, and Paul's going, no, no, no. He, he came to make the two different groups, the old identities, are now becoming one new identity. He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulation. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. How do we become a people of God's presence? We recognize that whatever old identity we had, whatever sin used to define us, whatever pain from our past has defined us, whatever family heritage we have, whatever expectations we've come with, all of that is an old identity and there is a new identity that God is wanting to establish. He's wanting to destroy any hostility that would keep us separated from God and from each other. Listen to this, verse 17. He came and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Here's what unifies us. is that Jesus died for every single one of us. And every single one of us come into the kingdom of God in the exact same way, through the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ. None of us come in by our merits. None of us come in by our family lineage. None of us come in because we're, we're good enough to come into the kingdom. It is only by the grace of Jesus Christ. And so you see where the unity comes is like, oh, we all need a savior. And at repentance, we are all given a gift of the spirit of God. And that spirit inside of all of us unites our hearts to go, whoa, Something special is going on here because you wouldn't normally get this crazy crew in the same room together, amen? It, it would normally have to be a, a certain party or a race or, a, or a, a kind of hobby that pulled us together, but there's something special going on here because God is grabbing all of us from all of our broken past and all of our places that we used to be, and he's given us a new identity and putting his spirit inside of us. Look at verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners, aliens. You're not a stranger. You're not a distant, far-off one. But you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. You're a part of the family. You have a new identity. You're no longer who you used to be. Now you are a child of God, a son or daughter. This is why church people call each other brother and sister. They're like, yeah, I mean it. Like, we're all a part of this family together. And this household is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, those that have gone before us with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Listen, verse 21, in him, 
the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Think of this. You individually have the the ability to be a person of the spirit and have God's presence in your life in a real and powerful way. And us collectively are being joined together by the grace of God to become a household of faith, a literal temple, a place of God's presence dwelling and manifesting. That that temple where God's cloud, this glory resided, the priests couldn't even do the ministry that they were assigned to do because God's power was there in such a real way that people just in awe, in worship. I imagine most of them probably laying on their faces that entire day as God just descended and filled that house and filled that temple. I think of us, real life, collectively going, hey, we have an opportunity to be a a temple of God's grace, his goodness, his power, not just a strategic bunch that does really good stuff, but a people where God actually dwells here. And and lives are actually impacted not by our uh, abilities, but by the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God in ways that is undeniable. God is here. This hunger is what is stirring inside of me as your pastor, that we we would be these kind of people. We wouldn't just go through motions and do great religion, that we would actually know God. And that people would come from wherever they come from throughout our city, our neighborhoods, our schools, from our work. And they would walk through these doors and they would experience God himself, his grace, his goodness, his healing. One moment in the presence of God can change a person forever. One moment in the presence of God can heal, can transform, can can break a bondage in somebody's life. One moment in the presence of God can restore a marriage that's been on the rocks for years. One moment in the presence of God could change somebody forever. And to be a temple where God can do that kind of work, amen? Where God can work in lives, heal, change, move. Oh God, yes God. That is what we long for. That is who we want to be. That is the kind of church that, 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 that we want to have. That is the kind of life, the family, the home. That is how my home, God, would your presence reside there? My little cubicle, my, my classroom at school, God, wherever I go, would your power, your presence be there in a real, in a powerful way where people are drawn to you, God? Not drawn to our strategies or our abilities or our our knowledge, but drawn to you and to your love and to your grace and to your goodness, God. The lives would be filled with a sense of urgency. God, I need you. I need your spirit. I need your love to cover this life. And that, I love Psalm 133. Because when brothers dwell together in unity, the psalmist says, God commands his blessing there. I just think about the opportunity to have a heart that says, you know what? I'm not going to live with my old identity as my highest priority. I'm laying that old identity aside. 
I'm not going to allow these dividing walls of hostility to stay between me and God and me and other people. I'm going to be someone that's passionate about God's presence, this being a temple, a dwelling place of God, and I'm trusting that the Spirit of God is going to bring us together in a unified way to be a church that is passionate about His presence, that God would actually say, you know what? I'm going to command my blessing there. I am going to move in that place. I'm going to change people's lives there. I'm going to use those people. I'm going to work in those people. That you and I would get to experience God's grace, His goodness. I just want to spend a few minutes praying together. The communion team, if you guys would go get ready for communion, we'll receive that in a few minutes. I just want everybody to just close your eyes for a moment. God's speaking to you. He's here. Some of you, you just recognize, wow, I don't, I don't know Jesus. I don't have his spirit inside me. It's an invitation when you recognize that to repent. Just do that right now. God, I need you. I need a savior. I can't make my life what it needs to be. I need to leave this old identity and come to be part of this new household. No longer a foreigner, an alien, a stranger, God, but I want to be one of your children. God is so good. He promises to meet you in that repentant place and fill you with the Spirit and say, you are my child. You are forgiven. You are new, a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Others of us, we just, we just need to kind of repent. We haven't been hungering for the presence of God. We've allowed our religion to become empty and lifeless. God is just calling us back right now to a place of desperation for his presence. Just ask him, God, I need a hunger in my heart. I need a passion in my soul for you, for your presence, for your goodness, for your glory, God. Fill me, Jesus. Forgive me, God, for being lackadaisical. Others of us have been clinging to our old identities and it's kept us from unifying with Jesus and his church. I just want to ask you to just confess that and lay that down right now. Lord, I just give up my old way of thinking, my old priorities, my old identity. I just come to you now. Any division, any divisiveness, God, we just lay it down. Make us one. One new family, one new household, one new dwelling place for the presence of our God. Thank you, Jesus.